God promises in Joel 2.28 to pour out His Spirit on all humanity. Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for that promised outpouring, and we equip for that outpouring, so that we may engage in that very outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. The Lord woke me up with the idea that we can be dread champions. And there are certain things that we need to understand in order to be dread champions, but there's no reason why any of us can't be. And so we want to challenge you. Do you want to be a dread champion? You can start on that path today, even if it seems impossible. We're so glad that you're with us today on our Global Outpouring podcast. We are contending. We're contending for the outpouring, and we want to contend as dread champions. And when we want to be equipped to be dread champions so that we can engage as dread champions in this outpouring that God is doing in these days. He's already started it, and we want to be part of it. Yes. <laughs> so before we get started, we just want to encourage you to go to our website and click on that green subscribe button if you haven't already done so, so that you can be informed when we're going to have another podcast or if we've got something on sale in our bookstore or to be informed of some other event. And there's, there's several uh, lists that you can choose from, and one of them is our prayer letter list. We put out a prayer letter twice a month. You might be interested in that. I think you would be if you're enjoying this podcast. And uh, you can see all kinds of other things. Shop in our bookstore and get a link to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page and read our blogs, all these kind of things. And we want to hear from you. If you want to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to send us an email at feedback at globaloutpouring.org. And by the way, that is our website, globaloutpouring.org. And uh, let us know what the Lord is speaking to you. Let us know if this, is, if this podcast is making a difference in your life or if there's something in particular that you want us to, to address that uh, we can be praying into so that we can bring a message from the Lord for you. So before the end of the podcast, we are going to have an exercise for you to help you stand up as a dread champion. So what does it mean to be a dread champion? What is a dread champion? Uh, a champion to be dreaded. <laughs> <laughs> Very well put, Very Philip. Well put. <laughs> Uh, you know, a biblical example of a dread champion might be Goliath. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, he was he was the champion of the Philistines, and the Israelites absolutely dreaded him. And if you look at Samson, everything you see on Samson, when you see pictures or stuff, you see this massive-looking guy like the Hulk or something, you know, <laughs> except he's not green. Yeah. But, but uh, what is a mystery is what baffled the Philistines so much that he was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't any, he wasn't a big, strong man. You know, you, he was, he was a, a dread champion. He was a dread champion. And, and, but the Philistines always were trying to, you know, capture, why does he have this power? Because in, in his appearance, you know, he was probably just an ordinary looking guy with supernatural strength, you know, like Superman, you know, like Clark Kent would go into a phone booth and come out Superman or right. so, or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, a super a superhero. He was like a superhero. 
but he was an ordinary man, and that's what baffled the Philistines. How right. can somebody looking so natural have do what he can do? Rip the gates of the city and carry, and carry them. them on his back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people who have seen him in heaven have said he did look just like an ordinary guy. He wasn't any muscle man. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't part of the power team. He was. <laughs> he was just a, a plain guy. And but he had this supernatural strength because of the supernatural calling on his life, and he had basically obeyed what it took to keep that until he let Delilah get a hold of him. Yeah, uh, that's another story. But the idea of being a dread champion in the kingdom of God, I think we really see that in Romans eight, where it talks about um, the sons of God. Let's look at that. Romans eight. Verse 14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And it goes on to talk about how the whole creation, verse 20, the creation, nature was subjected to frailty, to futility. Oh, let me go back to 19. Let me start there. Verse 19 says, for even the whole creation, all of nature, waits expectedly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. For the creation, nature was subjected to frailty, to futility, condemned to frustration, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it, yet with the hope that nature, creation itself, will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. This, this, um, this idea of sons of God here, the word sons refers to those who are mature enough. They've, they've lived and walked with their father and worked with him in the family business to the point that they know how he thinks. They know what he would do in any given situation, and they are mature enough that they've been given the checkbook, and it's, it's father and son business. You know, you can, you can deal with my son in the same way that you deal with me. That's the mature sons, and those are the dread champions in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. How does it read in the Passion Translation? The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. I love it. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. That's exactly right. Waiting for the sons of God, the daughters of God, to step up and become dread champions. Now, you see this expression, dread champions, in Jeremiah 20, verse 11. In the Amplified, it reads, but the Lord, or because that's all capital letters, we know that in, in the Hebrew, it is the name of God, Jehovah. 
But the Lord, Jehovah, is with me as a dread champion, one to be greatly feared. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not overcome me. They will be completely shamed, for they have not acted wisely and have failed in their schemes. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. And I love how the Message Bible reads. This is great. But God, a most fierce warrior, is at my side. Those who are after me will be sent sprawling, slapstick buffoons falling all over themselves, a spectacle of humiliation no one will ever forget. That's that's what they're going to behave like when we step up to be dread champions. Uh-huh. But the reason we can be dread champions is because God is the dread champion. Jehovah yes. is the dread champion. Therefore, Jesus, the Son of God, is also the dread champion. Yeah, and the world does not see Jesus as a dread champion. No. The secular world. Right. You know, they... They're just, I mean, they curse. They they use the name of the Lord in vain. You know, like where, where is this? Where is who is this Jesus? You know, he's, you know, that everybody's following. You know, the churches and and they see the people that go to church. See, that's where a lot of it is. If you don't have holiness within you, that makes you that dread champion, where you can get that intimate relationship with God, spending time with them. You're like anybody else, according to the to the world, because that's what they see. Right. So if you talk like them, you act like them, you know, it says, well, who's this Jesus, you know? Right, right. Mm-hmm. The, the dread champion needs to be seen in us. Otherwise, we really are walking according to the uh, accusation against us, which is hypocrisy. Ah, <laughs> oh, the church is just full of a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. You know, so there's room for one more. Come on to church. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the problem is that in general, most of the people who call themselves Christians, maybe maybe that's too general. Maybe it's not most, but many, many Christians, many people who call themselves Christians, many people who have welcomed Jesus to come into their hearts have never let him get into the rest of the house. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you go back to, I keep referring to Shirley Smith's testimony, the Lord took her on a journey through her spiritual house, and there were doors that she had never let him into, mm-hmm. and there were dealings that she had never let him finish to finish the furnishings. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a honeycomb. You have all these little cells mm-hmm. you know, that they make, you know, and that's kind of what your life is like, your heart Beautiful. You know, and then there's areas well you just don't want them to see what's in those what's what's in your honeycomb <laughs> right so if Jesus is the dread champion and he dwells in our hearts by faith according to Ephesians 3:17 and you know Colossians 1:27 says Christ in you is the hope of glory he lives inside of us but we are also in Christ um Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2 Corinthians two fourteen talks about how he always causes us to triumph in Christ. Yes. And Ephesians 2, 6 says, he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. Yes. So he's in us and we're in him. 
the thing that causes people to not see him is when our flesh is in the way. Yeah. So when we have flesh flashes, as it were, <laughs> where you know our flesh shows up and our carnal nature is lit up with whether it's anger, whether it's disdain, whether it's you know things that are not Christ-like. When mm-hmm. those things are in operation, we are not operating as dread champions. We might be no. dreaded, <laughs> but we're not dread champions in the eyes of the devil. Yeah. And we have to have we have to have transparency mm-hmm. in order for Jesus to be seen. Even when we put on the whole armor of God. If you look at that scripture on the whole armor of God in Galatians, you can see that every single piece is Jesus. He is our righteousness, our he is our he is the belt of truth. He is the prince of peace that yes. that, that goes on our feet. Uh he is he is the sword of the spirit. He is the helmet of salvation. He's Yeshua. That's all of these pieces. He's our shield. We're putting on Christ. That's that's how we're in Christ. We're putting him on. I remember Gerald Durstein preaching about how the whole Christian life is a put on because we're putting on Christ. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. It's I I also remember one time we were worshiping and we were singing a song about Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. And I I was questioning in my spirit, Lord, what does it look like? How do, how do we really magnify you? And I was picturing a magnifying glass, being a magnifying glass in front uh-huh. of the Lord so that he could be seen, so that he could be made bigger. What does a magnifier do? It makes something appear larger, larger so, yes. that, so you can get a really good look at something. You can look closer you can see the details and and what i what i was hearing in my spirit was a question of what is significant about a magnifying glass and i understood the answer that the lord was looking for out of me was that it has to be transparent mm-hmm. in order for us to magnify the lord we have to get our flesh out of the way we have yeah. to let and and it's not even something we can do ourselves yeah even even that is something that he works in us by his spirit. It's like the, the scripture, Christ in you, the hope of glory, you know, in Colossians 1. And when you say the hope of glory, mm-hmm. the hope, it's not assured until you press into it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. The way it will be hope of glory is when you become intimate with God, mm-hmm. Christ in you. We all get Christ in us when we get saved. Mm-hmm. But where do we go from there? Right. Now, do we let him have full control? Because that's where the glory is. Right. The more and more of uh, we have Jesus controlling or the Holy Spirit controlling our life, the more and more we'll be sensitive to his glory. Right. We want Christ in us, but we, we want more than just uh, just then hope or an, an expectation. We want assurance. Yes. That should be Christ in you. He's the assurance of glory if you... Walk with him, even as he told his disciples, you are my friends if you do what I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. That's a good friend, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's about surrender. Yeah, I've never seen the thought of the scripture in that context before. That's good. Yeah, you know, we think about Christ, we think about the glory, but we have to put ourselves in that place where he will fill, he'll fill us with his glory, but we have to stay filled with his glory. It's like if you took a cup of water and you fill it 
And I used this as a sermon il illustration once, I remember. And I jabbed the side of it with something. You know, and then water started, you know, coming out. So this and this happened, and you got offended. Then, then this happened, and and then you and you start slowly backing away from your your time with the Lord. Then you get another jab in the glass, and more runner water runs out. Mm -hmm. And while we're fighting to keep our, you know, keep our vessel full, we should be overfilled. You know, we mm -hmm. should be running over all the time. All the time. That's where we need to be is when we're overfilled, running all the time with the presence of God, with a river of life in us, we're a dread champion. Absolutely. You know, nobody gets it right immediately at first. It's a process. Mm -hmm. It's a process of, of you, don't, you, don't, you don't give uh, an 18-month-old baby a, the keys to the car. <laughs> yeah. you, just, you don't you don't even give it you to a 10 year old to a 12 year old yeah. no no the the thing is we have to grow up and that's probably one of the reasons why we see so many people that get offended in church is because the people who haven't grown up yet in god have mm -hmm. misrepresented him yeah in their zeal to get other people saved, you know, they they might still be listening to the accuser of the brethren that is causing them to um, bring judgmental attitudes and uh, activities and so on when they haven't even gotten over it themselves. And the mm -hmm. people who are mature enough to have the, the checkbook with Father, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they are far less likely to be used by the accuser. Mm -hmm. Because you know we overcome by the, we overcome the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb and and um, God's looking for those dread champions to be the ones who are who are using the blood of the lamb to overcome and to to contend in prayer for the people who aren't saved yet or who are still growing up in in the faith. Mm -hmm. uh, but but one of the things that we as we're surrendering is letting the Holy Spirit work the fruit of the Spirit in us. Mm -hmm. How does the Passion Translation read for Galatians 5, 22 to 26? The fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the Anointed One, have already experienced crucifixion, for everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So may we never be arrogant or look down on another, for each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Beautiful. Wow, that's beautiful. Yes. You know, uh, recently on our Friday Night Live worship service that we have, uh, that, we, that we stream to YouTube and our Facebook page, I spoke about expansion in God and that there's a description in Job chapter 41 of Leviathan, who is the the dreaded fire-breathing serpent, you know, the dragon. Yeah. And 
one of the things that it talks about is how close together his scales are, so close that even ruach, the breath, breath, a breath can't even get in between them. And that word ruach is also for spirit. So when we are children of pride, and, and it also says that, that Leviathan is the king of the children of pride. When we walk in pride, we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to move in us. But mm -hmm. James chapter 4 says that, that God gives more grace. And it it's, goes on to say, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. And this grace that he gives to us, it's an amazing word. Um, one of the meanings of it is, is goodwill, loving kindness, favor. Uh, but it, it's uh, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude. You know, when in Spanish, if you say thank you, what, what word do you use? Gracias. Gracias. And it's also the word for grace. Mm -hmm. um, so grace and thanksgiving go together with thankfulness. Thankfulness, when, when you get an attitude of thankfulness, it gives you the grace to overcome in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. the, the first place that you find the word grace in, in the Old Testament, it says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And that word grace uh, in, in Hebrew is chen. It's uh, Strong's number H2603. It means graciousness, uh, subjective, kindness, favor, grace or goodwill. But it comes from a root word, chanan, and that word means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. So God mm. stoops to us in his greatness. He's, he's the dread champion. And he mm -hmm. stoops down to us to give us the grace to even let him do his thing, that we can submit to him. He gives us the grace to submit. And when, when he gives us the grace for humility, when we just lower ourselves to him, it expands. It's like... As though we had scales, which we don't, but you know, as though we we did, it, it's like um, it's like it expands our. Well, let me say it this way: when we trust and when we rest in Him, the stress that keeps us tight—you know that tightness that you get when you're stressed—it's like it's like having scales that are pulled together tight, you know. Mm -hmm. But when we, when we rest in him, when we trust him, it's like an expansion that allows him to move in us. And when, when, and it allows him to be seen in us. So the dread champion, Jesus, the dread champion, our father, the dread champion, really the Holy Spirit, they're one. His operation in us makes us look like dread champions when we submit ourselves to him. Mm -hmm. And when we, when we submit ourselves to him in that intimate relationship that Philip was talking about earlier, it reminds me of Psalm 40, verse 8, that says, I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart or your instruction. The Young's literal translation on that verse says, to do thy pleasure, my God, I have delighted and thy law is within my heart. The word for delight is the, the Hebrew word chafetz, and it means to incline to. Remember, we just saw that grace that God pours out is him stooping down mm -hmm. to minister to us. 
We're the inferiors. Yeah. But this word chafetz is I, I, I delight. I'm inclining. I'm, I'm bowing down. It means to bend. But it also means to, to be pleased with or to desire. And then I delight to do your will. Your will, the word will there is Strong's H7522. It's the word ratzon. And it means to be acceptable. It means delight, desire, favor, good pleasure. Uh, and, and, and it means your will. Okay, so it comes from a, the word ratzah, which means to be pleased with, specifically to satisfy a debt. Remember, we had a debt that we couldn't yeah. pay. And Jesus had an assignment mm-hmm. that his, the, the will of God for him was to come and pay a debt, to satisfy a debt. Yes. He said, I delight, it was David that wrote the psalm, but he, mm-hmm. he you know, Jesus is the son of David. He's a descendant of David, and he was fulfilling that which David saw and wrote, I delight to do your will, and your will is your pleasure. So it's like, it's, it's my pleasure to do your pleasure. Isn't that <laughs> yes, beautiful? That is, yes. And, but it's interesting that Isaiah 53.10 says, it, yet it pleased the Lord, and that's that same word of, for delight. It delighted the Lord to bruise him talking about Jesus. He's put him to grief. When he, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure, again, uh, it's almost the same word, it's from the same word, it, it means pleasure, and his ple- the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Think of his hand that was pierced. Yeah. The pleasure of the Lord came from his wounding. It was his will that he be wounded so that we could become dread champions, so that, so that we could become so transparent that he can be seen and the wounds that he took that gave him this amazing authority over everything. I mean, he already was the king of glory yes, when he came uh-huh. in the first place. And he stepped up to take all these wounds so that we could be completely set free, completely liberated, so that we could let him occupy us in the fullness of his glory. Christ in you, the hope, hope of, of glory. glory. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You know, when we become those who will delight to do his will, it reminds me of a situation that I had when I became the vice president of this ministry. Our vice president had passed away, and our president pointed her finger at me and said, you are my VP. How did that make you feel when that moment happened? It was, um, it was a moment that I didn't know how to respond to her, because inside of me, I knew that the Lord had spoken to me 30-something years earlier and said, you will take her place when she's gone. And I knew that if I became the vice president, that meant that I was also her successor. And so I... Well, how, did, how, did that, uh, how did that moment change you when she spoke that? Well, it gave me the confidence that I'd actually heard from God. Yeah. That was huge. 32 years later, about. Yeah, 30-something. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. But I, I heard it in 76, and, and she said that then in um, 2007. So mm. you do the math, <laughs> however many years that was. But a- after he passed away, 
and and we had a board meeting that made me officially the vice president of this ministry. I left that board meeting and I was by myself walking down the sidewalk and I, I became overwhelmed just about with the, the thought of the responsibility of that office. And then I had a vision and I saw about six inches above my shoulder, I saw something that looked rather like a PVC pipe about, um, what's that about? Three inches. No, four, four about four, four inches, inches okay. about four inches in diameter. And, and I, as I looked each direction, it probably extended a good 20 feet wow. each direction, at least. And then I saw the reason why it was over my shoulder about six inches was the, that there was a huge angel on either side of me holding it up, and they were holding it comfortably at arm's length, you know, in front of themselves, but their arms were at their sides. And I, I suddenly understood that my job was just to stay under the yoke. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to carry it. Yeah. It wasn't my job to carry it. It it was the yoke of the office of vice president. Mm-hmm. But all I had to do was stay under it. Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And and that's what I saw that that it wasn't my responsibility to make something happen. I just had to stay with what he was doing. And that's how you become a dread champion is that you keep surrendering, Mm. you keep surrendering, you keep surrendering, and you keep in step with what he's doing in his timing. You keep obeying. It's about obeying. Yes. But then becoming this dread champion and letting the Lord stand up inside of you. I'm reminded of that story of the lady in... Gonubi, South Africa. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Tell us that story, Philip. Well, we had to, we're with the team there, and then, and um, I said, those that needed prayer, you know, to come up and. Especially for healing. For healing. And this one lady stepped forward, and you could take one look at her, and you knew she was living in pain, you know, just mm-hmm. this look on her face. And so the they prayed for her, and she just went down under the power of God. But she held the hand of one of the people praying for her and wouldn't let go. You know, I was just there for a while. I think, I think had, she held it on her head. On her head, yeah. yeah. Held his hand on her head. I think they had to carry her to the car. Yeah, she, she was, was really just gone in the spirit. Gone in the spirit. And she got home, and the next morning she woke up. It was the next morning. Was it yeah. that night? It was the next morning she woke up in no pain. It was the first time in how many years? I think it was 12 years. And, and she had been hit by a drunk driver, and they got her out of the car and laid her alongside her car, and a car came along and ran over her head. Mm-hmm. If you can picture that. And it just broke her jaw, her face bones. And she had to go through surgeries, lived in pain. Like, you know, plus, you know, damage, you know, your brain and all that stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. something, you know, squeezes your head like that. And she woke up totally pain-free. Mm-hmm. She was just, just rejoicing in the Lord. Then all of a sudden she started feeling the pain coming back again. And she just leaned back on the counter and slid down onto the floor and just says, oh, no. And she heard the voice of the Lord say, rebuke it. There's the dread champion. She was the dread champion. And she, because she knew pain for all those 12 years, and all of a sudden she's pain-free. She knew God did it, and then it's coming on her again. But she heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, rebuke it. And she did, and the pain went away, and it never came back. Hallelujah. That's a champion. That's a dread champion, because the dread champion inside of her told her what to do. Yes, that's it. And she did what the Lord said to do. 
Yes. And that's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to get into that posture of humility. So we want to give you an exercise for how you can make steps toward being that dread champion. God wants you to be a dread champion. He wants the devil to shake in his boots when he sees you. When you wake up in the morning, they should be saying, "Uh uh-oh, she's awake. (laughs) Or, "Uh uh-oh, he just woke up. No, look out. Here he comes. I remember it was Smith Wigglesworth was in a room or something, and the devil walked in. And he said, oh, it's only you. You know, it's like slap in the face. You remember yeah. that? I don't know what book of his that was <laughs> yeah. in. But I, think he w- I think it woke him up in the night. Woke him up in the night. That's yeah. what it was. Oh, it's just you. Just you. Get out of here. You know, <laughs> he went he back turned to over sleep. and went back to sleep. <laughs> just Cause, you. Because the man had authority. Exactly. A dread champion. He was a dread champion. Yes. Smith Wigglesworth. So here's an assignment. Here's, here's an exercise for how to step up as a dread champion. You have to step up as a dread champion by stepping down before the Lord so that he'll step up inside. Get into a posture of humility. And it's not so much that we have a formula Yes, it's important that you read the word. Yes, it's important that you pray in tongues. Yes, it's important that you speak the word. But it's more important that you tune your heart to hear the voice of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that comes in intimacy. It comes in surrender. It comes in saying, help me, Jesus. I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. Help me, Holy Spirit. Yes. So that you step back and let him step up inside of you to be the dread champion. And and the next thing is to ask Holy Spirit to lead you in repentance if there's any kind of pride. Because pride causes the Lord to resist you, but he gives his grace to the humble. Yeah. So in, in approaching him in humility and and surrendering and say, I just surrender, Lord. I surrender. I give you my pride. And then ask Holy Spirit to give you a scripture to meditate on that will help you to let Jesus step up inside of you. And perhaps that scripture would be Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. And letting the Holy Spirit write his law in your heart. That's one of the that's one of the four points of the new covenant. The Lord says, I will write my laws in their hearts and minds. This is in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. It's also in Hebrews 8. It's quoted there. I will write my laws in their hearts and their minds. I will be to them a God. That's number two. I'll be them to them a God and they'll be my people. Number three, all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Number four, I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. These are the points of the, the new covenant. So having his law written in your heart and in your mind comes by the Holy Spirit. So as you, as you meditate on the Lord, as you meditate on his word, Take time to read it. If you don't read well, there are lots of Bible apps out there that will let you listen to the Word. Yes, that's right. But we like to listen to the Word and read it at the same time, so it's going in both our eye gates and our ear gates at the same Mm -hmm. time. That's what we do every day together. So let the Holy Spirit give you a scripture. Do it tonight. Do it today, before tonight before you lay your head on your pillow. Ask Holy Spirit to give you a scripture to meditate on that will cause him to step up inside of you 
as you surrender to him. You might say it this way. I take pleasure in doing your pleasure, Lord. I surrender my will. Let's pray. Philip, would you pray for the listeners? Well, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, the revelation of your word. That, Lord, that for each of our listeners, that you would reveal to them, you give them their own revelation, Lord, of your presence and of your glory. Lord, as even they do this exercise, O oh God, that, Lord, you would give them those scriptures, Father, and that, Lord, that they can truly find you, find you in the Spirit, O oh God, and have a more desire, Lord, to seek you even more and find out more about you because your well is so deep, Lord, we can never have the end of it. <laughs> so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for our listeners and, and that, Lord, you would bless them, Lord, as they do this exercise, Lord, that they will feel your presence and just long for more of you. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with His overwhelming, loving presence.